It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Yo, man. Boom, it's Rusty. What is up, everybody? It is, I don't know, some day of the week. Someone help me. Wednesday? I'm going to say Wednesday. It's Wednesday because yesterday I did uh, both shows. Or maybe not both shows, but I know I did my other show in the afternoon. So that makes it Wednesday. That's how I can tell the days of the week. So thank you, everyone, for being here on the Quantum Global Broadcasting Network, QGBN, on the Public Access Podcast, the Podcast. Soon to be the podcast from PA, so it'll be the podcast. Yeah, that's going to be a lot. So, yeah, thank you, everyone here, for being here and listening. And today, I'm bringing someone back. I'm bringing back this guy. I talked to him for, like, I think it was, it was a long fucking episode. But that's good. It's not a 21-minute. I'm not saying... If there's someone on here, if you go back and you listen and you like look at all the stuff and the ones are 21 minutes, not great. But I'm saying this one's going to probably go a little longer than that. Some of them were short just because it needed to be short. Some of them were shorter because that's what I got. So this one is not one of those. So I'm going to go and do this right now. So I, I'm not even going to tell you to like call in, leave a message because messages, you have your messages. We don't need no stinking messages. I'm going to do it for him because I actually I'm not. I let, I'm going to let him do it because he can do it better than I can. And I'm going a million miles per hour. Messages? Messages? We don't need no stinking messages. But I do. Call in 503-974-6420. I'll play it on here. And today I'm going to bring in my special guest right here, right now. Back again. We have Dr. E. It almost sounds like I'm going to say like Dr. Evil, but then it goes in as Dr. Ian. And so it works out. So welcome back, Dr. Ian, unless... Yeah, hold on. For some reason, my camera... Turned itself off. I'm trying to get it to. It's okay. I I don't. I turned it off with magic. That's that's what happens here. This is the uh, magic show today. I got a I got a backup though. Hold on. Oh, you got a backup camera. Backup. Let me see if I can get it working. Anyway, you can put it in reverse, and it goes and looks looks behind yeah, you. Backup cam, but it's. Let's see what I, we got. I... And yeah, like. I got my backup cam, but then I don't know. I don't use it. There's here you come. There he is. Yeah. There he is. Yeah, man. I haven't used my backup cam. I had it for a little bit and now like and I had like backup. I had like all this extra equipment. I had like fucking you know, nice microphone and uh nice everything else. And then I just now I just plug this headset into my can commuter. My computer. I was using oh, this. Shit. I can't even get it to. No, oh, that thing is interfacing. That thing's nice, man. Yeah, yeah, we got it for uh, doing more video stuff with the cars. So, how's the cars? 
how it's are good. the cars? The cars are good. We're just, uh, you know, still trying to figure it out. Like I got an email in the middle of the night last night from somebody telling me that my tow, my tow truck, I said I have a, I advertised a rollback tow truck. And someone's like, yo, man, that's not a rollback tow truck. That's a tilt back. Like a tow rollback goes all the way to the ground. So I Google image search and like all I find in the Google image search for rollbacks is like pictures of my truck. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, so I write to the guy and I'm like, hey, you know, kind of looks like a rollback from everything I can find. Like, could you provide some evidence that, you know, it's not. And he sends me a, a picture of a, a tow truck that like the back like comes back and then it like goes down to the ground. So the car can like drive onto it flat and then the whole thing raises up and like goes onto the back of the truck. And he's like, that's a rollback. And I'm like. I saw a picture of it, but I still can't find anywhere else aside from this guy's like one photo of this thing. So anyways, I, I got to figure it out because I did get another message from someone asking if it went all the way down and I'm assuming that's what they're looking for. So I I, I don't know. I got to work so on it. Is it still back in Japan and you haven't got it? Got no, it I got it here. My car broke down two days ago and I called my mechanic and he went over to the lot and picked up our tow truck and came and got me off the side of the road. So it worked. So you, you got You got your tow truck to pick you up. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Maybe like, the first and last time, but you know, we're we're gonna try to sell it, but until we sell it, like we're gonna use it as a tow truck. Man, yeah, I, every time, man, I see those pictures, you know, just like it's it's so cool. Man, like and out here, like it's so expensive. Um, like I'll, I think I, I've sent you a couple of things, but like yeah, dude, it's like you, you got a lot better that you're on that side of the country. And plus, like what I've seen you've had has been better anyway like you know better quality and like because you don't really know like what you know what someone's been through but you're like right there from the source bringing it bringing it right out and i mean where so where does it uh take it to do you have to go does it go down the columbia at all or do you have to go out to the coast or it goes uh it comes into tacoma and so i gotta oh, okay um, we have a trucker uh, a guy when I was doing real estate I tried to sell him a house and eventually when the car started picking up I was like hey you own a trucking business like would you be interested in getting these cars for us and he said sure so he goes up uh, every time we have cars there he'll just we bring the documents to him and then he takes them up to the port gets the cars goes to the customs office does all the customs work and then brings them down for us that's awesome that, that custom work uh, the customs work I've seen it I see so I saw this one guy that was buying there's like this uh I want to say it's Chinese. It's like this little truck that comes in a pallet, like a like a, a little electric like, truck. Or something. Yeah, a little electric truck. It's not quite legal, like street legal, but you can. He was driving it around his property, but yeah, um, totally. They said, yeah, you can buy those, but like to pay the extra money to have someone do all the the paperwork, the customs paperwork was well worth it because yeah, it seems like. But I mean, I don't know. You probably have done it a number of times and. I mean, know the... we have a broker, so I do some of the work, uh, but then there's some stuff that we pass on to her. So the actual like person who talks to customs and interfaces with like the the port and the shipping company is uh, a lady at a different brokerage. Uh, oh, but okay. I, I only have to fill out the forms that we submit to her that she then submits to customs on our behalf. So, you know. Holy shit. Okay. That's awesome then. Yeah, no, I mean, I Googled around for a while. We were using a company on the East Coast and it seems like they weren't doing a great job. So I got pretty desperate. I got really uh, frustrated one day with the lady that we were previously using. Um, she just made some mistakes and it looked like it was going to be a huge hassle. And 
maybe you know cost us a car or something like that and so we uh i finally just called the um i called the port and i said hey like since the customs office or the customs broker is going to be the one working with you who's your favorite person to work with like why don't you just give me the name of your favorite person who calls you and then i'll work with them and she's like well we're a government entity so i'm not really allowed to make recommendations and i'm like oh yeah of course not and she's like there's on our website we have a list of like 700 different customs brokers so you can just go through that list and find one and i was like right right well i know you're not allowed to make a recommendation but if you if if you did who would you recommend She's like, oh, I'd recommend this this particular company. I'm like, great, great, okay. So I called them, and immediately within five minutes, like we were set for going forward. So it's been great. That's a good way to uh, phrase that question because there's a lot of those, you know, with I don't know. There's a lot of places like even trying to get, um, like looking like I, I was just looking for a place to live, and you know, trying to ask certain questions. You're know, like. Well, we can't really answer that. Okay, let me try to rephrase this a little bit and, you know, just try to get to a certain spot that's something. Okay, like, okay, well, yeah, we can say that. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's kind of nice. And so, so then you got, you have the broker, you got someone to pick up your cars. Um, and you got, you got someone on in Japan and, I mean, and then now you get to drive around in these cool cars with uh, your your dealer license plate, uh, which was, was it 666 something? 66, yeah. It's a weird world, man. I mean, <laughs> it's I pretty, pretty all right, man. Like, yeah, it uh, could, things could be worse right now, but you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're just, we're just trying to figure out how to keep the whole thing going because the more the more we grow, the more money we spend every month. So like right now we've got multiple employees and we our rent doubled because we ended up renting more space. Uh, so we can do like repairs and stuff and more fabrication indoors. Uh, and so just making sure that like all the different parts of it, like, you know, if we had a few slow months, like I don't want the whole thing to implode. So just trying to like budget. Yeah. So is that, are you set in Oregon then that part or is that up in? Tacoma? Oh yeah, no. It's uh no everything's down in Portland so we're uh, about two blocks south of Alberta Street on MLK. Oh shit! Okay, all right. Yeah, it's got a big lot. We can park about thirty vehicles on the lot, and we've got about uh you know, like a fifty by seventy warehouse space that we use for. Maybe I mentioned before, but we were building a driving simulator, so we got that all done. Oh, uh, it's done. The thing that done. you and yeah, Jeremy people, were building. People are driving around. Uh, yeah, like I my mechanic was there last night with his friends driving late last night uh it's pretty awesome like uh, i taught sam how to drive stick shift with it he's still only 10 um you know left-handed stick shift uh yeah right hand drive stick shift or so he's yeah. on the right seat and then shifting with, with his left hand yeah yeah but, cool man you know. yeah and so then so do you have video of that is there or do you have to you go there for the experience or how does this work let me see if i can bring up any videos I, of it I probably have to hit something for you to share. I think I can do this here. I think I figured this out on my last one. Um, yeah, that should work. Uh... That's so fucking cool, man, that you got that going. Uh, it's, I mean, we're just same with everything else. We're playing around, but uh, let's see. How do I, uh, how do I share? 
There's a little thing down uh maybe at the bottom it says share screen. Yeah. Okay, cool. Think, Let me I think you should be able to click on that. Just I don't know if I have to maybe it's desktop think... two. <laughs> uh, I think I got it. I think I had to change something. Oh, okay. In my system settings to allow it. Ah, uh, it's saying I have to quit and reopen Zoom to do it. Can Can you send me a link? Is it on YouTube? Uh it's on. Yeah, yeah. Or something? Yeah. Or can you send me a link yeah, in, in here, link and I can do it on this? Should be fine. Hold on. Cool. Yeah, we're back now to uh, kind of continuing to play around with some of the same ideas. But uh, my friend's got that EEG uh, helmet, or like it does, uh, like scans brainwaves and like thirteen different points of brain activity. Yeah. And so we're using a program called Touch Designer and then Ableton to be able to basically have your brain waves modulate music and then have that uh, effect, like the music then affecting visuals. So we'd create like a kind of small immersive space where you could effectively like have your brain based on how excited your brain is, like kind of get yourself into a feedback loop and kind of freak yourself out. Yeah, I'm gonna need to take a trip out to Portland at some yeah, point we'll here. Yeah, you need you need to come play in the machine. My friend, uh, my friend who's helped me make it is uh, almost done with his psilocybin therapy license. Oh no, shit! Yeah, and so we'd be able to offer that. Like we were thinking of uh, trying to develop hardware uh, to market specifically to psilocybin therapists uh, who are looking for ways to enhance the experience of their clients. Because right now, I mean, a lot of it is uh, you know people sitting on a couch. Right. And they can wear like an eye mask or something like that, but because there's such like specific requirements about the locations that people are able to do it in, uh, it makes it that it, I mean it's kind of that's one of the restrictions, right? It's like with all the medical testing on psychedelics up until now, whenever you're doing testing inside of a, like a medical facility, it it sucks because it's like, you're, you're in not. a fucking you're not in a, a yeah you're <laughs> like in some weird space and, yeah uh, exactly so yeah. I mean that's kind of uh here let me uh. I got the link. Okay. Yeah, just put it in the chat and I should be able to do it. get it here. Um yeah, because yeah. I mean that's even how it is with hypnosis. Like I dude, I fucking loved not having to have people come into my office. Like it's it's bullshit. Like I don't want people um having to yeah, go to some weird place. Yeah, um, that's gonna be like the deciding situation for the set. See, I, I guess you can't do full. Can you do full screen with this? I don't even know how it. Even say so you can see it. I mean, it'll. Okay. Damn. So, like on that one, we're using uh, software is called Assetto Corsa, and then we're uh, we're running the Shutoko Revival Project, where a bunch of people took the map from Tokyo Extreme Racer Two from the PlayStation, and they like took all the data from that and then remapped it into this and then stuff like that so it's like you uh, can drive on the japanese freeway system and people like fans went through and updated like the signs in the buildings and tried to like keep it pretty up to date so it, i don't remember how many kilometers of freeway you can drive but it's pretty extensive so is this the whole uh like most most of the roads at least on the the, the main island or like is for for Japan that they have 
availability on this or what? Uh, no, no, this is just like only the freeways uh, within the Tokyo, kind of like there's a big loop oh, okay. in Tokyo. So it just goes around in there, but uh, there's some other things, drift, drift courses people have made maps for and some other things, but like most of it, I mean, the game is generally like uh, racing, so people do a lot of like circuit races and stuff like that. And then Holy shit. somebody took the map from GTA 5 and loaded it in, and then some people took the map from, uh, there's a few other things that people have been able to port it from, so. So can anyone upload different maps into this world? It's, yeah, and they, I mean, they do all the work I mean, for you? So it's like the port for the GTA 5 map is like something's a little bit off the scale, and uh, there seems to be something off a little bit with the, at least in my experience with it uh and then there's certain parts of the map where you just kind of like fall through holes uh so it's not perfect or anything but at least i think it's just the proof of concept that you could take uh one thing and port it into something else but it's not perfect yet like the one like that freeway thing like you know i think a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to get it to work right yeah and so then could you do like uh you know so, some other game like uh like a mario kart or something or like uh yeah. you know yeah you can play forza horizon or mario or anything anything that's i mean you could even turn off the two side screens if you wanted and just use the front screen if you don't have a game that has triple monitor support so, so yeah it works with i mean you could do you play anything in the car yeah i mean could you imagine i mean like that the, the whole proof of concept of this is fucking amazing and just being able to have this is like a you know uh like a twitch channel or something with with just something like that and people start doing doing that kind of thing um or i don't know if it'd be too fucking much for people and they just like me and have their fucking heads explode don't know where to go or what what to do and just um are just like oh, holy shit okay i guess i'm sticking around for this and you know checking it out and um so then when when people come in there so I mean, if you want, I mean, and also if you have people that are, you know, taking, uh, you know, doing the 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 psilocybin uh, retreat in somewhere, but would take it more out of a clinical space. So is that or like how our specific space? We discovered that we're within a thousand feet of an elementary school, so we can't license our current garage uh, for a therapy site. Uh, so we'd end up having to rent a site somewhere else. I think right now, most of what we're doing in terms of the design is going to be either for headsets, like either augmented reality or like a VR setup. Uh, or even I've seen different ones that basically like flash LED lights uh, in your eyes, like little tiny strobes, basically at different rates in different eyes. And it causes you to see kaleidoscope patterns uh, and shifting colors and things that you normally wouldn't imagine that you'd see. But uh, you know, even without any uh, chemical enhancements, it's you can... It's interesting that uh, what kind of visual effects those things can produce. And so we've been experimenting with kind of programming for those headsets and figuring out, uh, you know, what kind of audio input or what kind of things you can adjust to have the audio generate different types of uh, like visual patterns with that. So anyways, we're just playing around with it. But um, yeah, there'll, there'll be more to come for sure. We're definitely trying to figure out like both both directions like how to keep it within like the safe bounds of like a legal therapy session and then also uh just how how wild and weird it can get like in terms of if you didn't have any requirements for anything and you were just doing self-experimentation like you know how far can you freak yourself out yeah and i mean how do you feel when you get out when you take take off 
get out of the the van uh and you come back into this space of not in uh you know yeah. not in, in in that reality uh how do you feel are you feeling drained are you feeling like uh, regenerated or or what uh i haven't i haven't played enough with the van to be able to give you kind of a a judgment for that i mean like typically like after i drive it i feel like i've just been you know i'm kind of exhausted because i'm like trying to learn how to drift or like racing on yeah. freeway something like that and so it's like you know afterwards i'm like some people feel a little bit sick from it just because it's like so much motion within the like 180 degree field of vision. Yeah. And so I noticed like the first people, their first few rides are like a couple people are like, Oh no, I can't do this. I got to get out of here. But uh, I think people who are highly motivated will deal with nausea to be able to keep having the experience. Yeah, I think so too. And so are you like able to, with the, the audio then are you able to, you know, or would you be able to incorporate something, some sort of uh, hypnosis or some sort of binaural beats or uh, yeah. frequency to Absolutely. be able to heal? Because uh, I mean, just that, the, I forgot what they're called. Those, uh, the machines that put out the frequencies that, that heal you. I can't think of what they're called. It's some, some weird name. Uh, I don't know. It's not my head either, but yeah, something that would, uh... Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot happening with audio. And I mean, various degrees of just even like you know really low frequency vibrations and different types of like simple sound modulation it's not even really like what most people wouldn't even consider music yeah but just so, different uh, tones playing in like you know slightly asynchronous ways and yeah uh so it's a rife machine um uh, oh. that that does the rife yeah and um because i mean yeah like it was one of those things like the guy who really pushed for it all of a sudden ended up uh you know what one of those things that like work too well and uh you're like oh, okay well you can't really you gotta watch out when you do those when stuff works too well sometimes i talked to another guy wait what happened to the rife machine guy did, did somebody offer uh, something I was the rife machine i think it might have been the rife machine guy there was the rife machine guy i think he did i think he ended up uh, someone ended up offing him and then there's also the guy there was a uh, these these like light boxes that you go into um and they i forgot the name of the, the what the orgon energy accumulators for uh, right uh possibly i i'm wilhelm, not there's like wilhelm reich who uh had all of his work destroyed by the nazis and then he came over to the u.s and then uh had all of his work. Uh, again, the FBI did a raid on his lab back, I think, in the 50s, uh, like post-war, and a fire started during the raid, and all of his work burned again. So, Robert Anton yep. Wilson, uh, I know you probably wanted to talk a little bit about Discordianism today, but... Uh, sure, yes. Uh, I figured that, like, Wilson, uh, he said that he first got interested in Wilhelm Reich because he's, like, he's the only person that had all of his research burned by both the Nazis and the U.S. government, and so he must have been saying something that's pretty interesting, and he uh yeah just had some theories that basically like about orgasm and about how if you can't orgasm right then you're just gonna end up this like terrible neurotic human that uh won't be able to function very well and had some other rather kind of i don't know but again he i think towards the end of his life he had this idea that there's this energy i think he called it orgone energy and he believed that that could be it was like kind of like life energy but it also was related to sex in some way and that you could accumulate this energy more and so i think he built these kind of like 
I don't want to call them tinfoil boxes, but there was something that would like reflect the Orion energy inside and you're supposed to go into them. So I think some of that is where people started kind of treating him. Well, basically assuming that he was. Nutty. I don't know if he was trying to control the weather with these things too or not, but he, he had something else too that made people kind of put him in the, cra the crazy list. But at the same time, like, I don't know. Cause yeah, there, there was a guy I had on a little bit ago who, this thing it was called scalar light like s-c-a-l-a-r and it's sort of like this so i brought that up um as sort of a you know like because it sounds like i'm like i'm telling this guy I'm like dude you got to watch out man like if you're you're doing this kind of shit like that's because like one it can produce all this free energy and shit uh which is you know cool enough but then also he was saying like if you take a like a picture of of ian like dr ian here and uh his thing i think he said was the uh the like the herpes virus if he takes like a picture of the herpes virus like what it actually looks like takes a picture of that and a picture of you at the same time and puts it in front of this light in the field it will find you in the the world like anywhere in the fucking world and anywhere that it sees this fucking this like this herpes virus in your body, it will instantaneously knock it out, and it can complete, completely eradicate it. I'm I'm kind of confused, even on what you just said. I am too, but somehow let me uh, let me see if I can pull this up, man. It was it was a trip. I talked to this guy for like a half hour. Um, let me see. Yeah, man, you uh, you get you got a lot of shows since we last talked, man. You got tons of these episodes done. How how do you find most of the people that you bring on? Just um, I, I, groups on, on Facebook and then it just became sort of, um, word of mouth and kind of oh. like in between these people and. Yeah. Uh, it seems like you got a huge, I mean, just the list of different people on there is wild. It's been pretty fucking crazy, uh, with, you know, the kinds of things. Let's see if I can find a video. Um, so, okay. Yeah. So. What it does. So you upload a facial photo. So it like knows it can find you like anywhere in the world. And um yeah, man. It's so these light waves fucking go through the the universe or whatever and fucking somehow finds you, find finds Ian, this Ian, this picture of Dr. Ian in the world, and uh eradicate stuff instantly or you know makes you feel better but then i mean there, there's this stuff uh, i've seen a little bit too of in this yeah, it's peeking out there at the bottom yep so there's that and that that's been out there a few times Ooh. but uh and i was something else i was i was interested in uh when he brought that up let me see if i can play some of this here Like how they got their little mind, body, spirit triangle with uh, the DNA going up through it, coming out of the top of the earth with the sun cresting over. That's an intense image in itself. Yeah. Right. Um, let's see. Yeah. And I've developed instruments, scalar light instruments that harness these standing waves, these scalar waves. Now, I'm not the only researcher that has uh, performed this function. There have been many throughout history. And... Nonetheless, there are 
presently very few scalar energy researchers working along these lines that I'm working. It still is an emerging science, so we have a lot to learn about this emerging science, scalar light. Back in the 1800s, you had men like um, Maxwell and, and Tesla who were theorizing about scalar energy, and they were really the, the forefathers of scalar energy research. Well, today, we want to bring this to the fore. Today, we want to show you the benefits of these alternative therapies and how so many people can benefit from them. Well, we look at scalar I'm light. Always, what is that? Scalar light yeah. is from the sun. Pretty intrigued when people are like big into um, like those, uh, you know, you get somebody and like when they're, they're citing sources and all their sources are like from the, like before the 20th century. Yeah. Uh, Which, you know, it, it's kind of an interesting thing because, you know, the first thing is to be like, well, that's old science or like, oh, that all got disproven. But, you know, it, it's like I spent the last uh, probably, like, I guess, over a year reading all the works of uh, Henry Verson, who was a famous French metaphysician back in like the, I guess, late 19th century, early 20th century. And I guess he's yeah. kind of famous. He was really popular in the U.S. and France. Uh, he has this idea that time is completely radically different than space and material and that basically everything is a combination of time and space but not in the way that uh physics physicists talk about it and so i think he's known for having uh like when einstein still wasn't very famous uh he was presenting like one of his early presentations about theory of relativity and i guess Bersolin, I mean i might be getting this wrong but Bersolin went to the presentation and uh like kind of publicly challenged einstein and basically said he was wrong and Einstein was like, all right, well, I guess we'll have a debate. And so uh, famous French metaphysician Bersolm, uh went up against Einstein in a debate. And I guess there's kind of like, I don't, again, I need to look into the details of the, how the debate went. But uh, he essentially, I think Bersolm read a book called Duration and Simultaneity, uh, where he basically just tries to refute uh, Einstein's arguments for relativity Uh from kind of the start to the finish of the book. And I know I think Einstein's quote is the time of the philosopher does not exist. And that's just kind of like mic drop. Um, but so in history, you know, no one's heard of Bersolin, everyone's heard of Einstein. Uh, right. And so it made it kind of interesting to read these books because it's like, and I'm reading it with people who are generally, you know, consider themselves to be scientifically minded and who are more, who are trying to read it like as skeptically as possible, but it's, you know, it, it was just kind of interesting to watch people like kind of uh, be uncomfortable with the fact that they couldn't tell whether, you know, what's going on, like whether this is complete, just like weird insanity they're reading or whether they're, you know, it, so it left everybody with this kind of weird, ambiguous feeling. And like, I don't know if we all went crazy or what, but. I mean, like, yeah, why are we hearing of Einstein and not him? I mean, that's probably question enough to well because for physics i mean like what einstein said works it's not wrong it's just i mean bersolin is basically proposing that there would be something outside of that but again like I'm so, I, I i don't know like that's why it gets called metaphysics and that's why metaphysics gets a bad name and ends up in that weird part of the bookstore and i, I don't know like it just seems like i'd be if i'd be kind of ashamed if anything i wrote uh, ended up in the metaphysics section of the bookstore. But uh, at the same time, like, I don't think there's really any other place to put it. Right. And so, I mean, with that too, like there's so much of that, the metaphysics kind of realm. I mean, even with hypnosis, like it's the, the you know, fucking 
weirdo fucking science shit that's like yeah i don't know that's really real or whatever and like it's yeah you know, cannot really prove it or you know and it ends up in this sort of pseudoscience and yeah but and, there's some yeah. powerful people and some interesting people who've been pretty heavily involved in it throughout you know at least in the last couple hundred years so i mean yeah i mean just because it's fucking meta science stuff i mean maybe there needs to be a new classification for other sciences be besides just those two the fringe the fringe yeah the fringe science the fringe science festival fucking 2024 man be there exactly yeah that's what that's what needs to happen i mean that i think that'd be pretty fucking cool to be able to because i don't know man like what you're doing with everything you're doing is eventually gonna need to be the backbone of something uh something because I I don't know what exactly, and I I don't know what what other ones are going to come together, because it's going to have some other parts that are coming with it that are, you know, tied in. Like you were saying, like even if it's uh, you know, with the, what, what I forgot how you said it uh, to add to the psychedelic experience, uh, to add to that, make that part of it, but also then yeah with um you know with, with healing or even just like being able to be in something that can change you know change the way your your brain works and i, I mean i remember when was that again probably like 15 years ago i did this stuff um like when that when it was kind of a, a new thing with um what's it, what the neuro neuro programming neuro or neuro, neuro, neuro feedback okay and so uh i was doing that like with which you know was sort of the same little thing around your head and you go and you use your thoughts to make some little computer animation move uh, you know up and down or yeah, to yeah. a certain certain thing and uh help get in the flow state yeah, help get yeah, getting in the flow state. And so is that something that's kind of incorporated in or is that uh different or is like was I mean what's what is or are not what is what are the uh ideal outcomes for for the machine and the experience? Um I mean personally like without any commercial benefits I'd say it's to like obliterate subjectivity like you just kind of like you know you got a sense of I and you're sitting there but it's like if you get the strobes going fast enough and you're tripping hard enough and you have like enough you know low frequency vibrations like I don't know I mean you can definitely like reach peaks of intensity that wouldn't be available otherwise so I think it's just like giving a person who's already kind of opened their brain up to more intense sensory input and then just cranking the volume up on that sensory input. Like, I think some people go to, you know, huge music festivals for similar effects of like, you know, just this like complete overload. Like you're already at this place. It's like fairly chaotic and there's thousands of people there and it's loud and there's like loud music and it's like a festival. And at the same, and like, there's a way in which you kind of dissolve into that. I think like when you're high enough in certain settings. And I think it's almost like, can we recreate some of those sensations? I don't want to call it like a mini rave because it kind of cheapens it, but uh, or like a rave for one, like 
you know, it's basically like what, yeah. what inputs and outputs can you do? Like what, what is the interesting things? Do we use the brainwave to do it? Do we use the person's heart rate? Do we use their oxygen uh, output or something like that? Like there's different sensors we can connect that then affect like what gets generated by it. But um, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know about healing because I'm always, I think for each person, like that's going to be kind of a different thing. I mean, there's like specific things with the body that require like either time to rest or different types of nutrition for healing. And then mental healing is, I think, a more ambiguous thing that's going to be different for each person. But uh, yeah, I, I don't, I understand that psychedelics needs to move through medical channels or through like that um, in order to be legal and have like widespread acceptance. But my own personal interest in it isn't, you know, for the purpose of like taking someone who's sick and trying to help them feel better. It's taking someone who's arguably in great health and try to have them you know basically just pop their brain because i think that doing that is you know kind of what leads to a lot more potential a lot more interesting things like it's like you know the breakdown is the breakthrough yeah you know it's yeah and yeah without that breakdown there is no breakthrough yeah so it's like you got to dissolve some stuff first and it seems like trying to whether it's the like technician who's operating the machine has the control over that, or whether you're just literally putting the controls like in the hand of the user who's plugged into the machine, uh, you know, just different, different ways to kind of go about it. I mean, there's that book, uh, by, uh, David Foster Wallace who wrote infinite jest. And in that book, there's this, uh, there's this one section of it where it's constantly talking about this, like videotape, this VHS tape where, they've uh, basically created content that has the same effect as, you know, I think back in the seventies, they did some experiments where they connected electrodes to a certain part of the rat brain. And then the they gave a button to the rat that would allow the rat to push the button to stimulate that particular electrode in its brain. And what they observed is that the rats were starving to death because they couldn't take a break from pushing the button long enough to eat food. And so, oh, shit. yeah, it's like the ecstasy orgasm button basically. And so in David Foster Wallace's book, uh, he's David Wallace, huh? David Foster Wallace, David Wallace Foster. Uh, I don't remember his name. Yeah. Anyway, David Wallace, David Foster Wallace uh, was basically saying that humans have been on an endless quest to reach that electrode spot in our own brains and figure out a way to be able to push it. And that there's a certain subset of the population that basically, if not all the population that if given that button would do nothing but push it and starve too. And so I think this long kind of rambling book, which is about a drug rehab clinic, that's kind of intertwined with this story about a private boys tennis high school that's like in the, you know, after the US like goes bankrupt and like part of it gets reincorporated into Canada. Uh, it, I don't know. It's a strange kind of dystopian near future, just bizarre book. But that was one of the themes of it was that there was this videotape that if you saw it, that you would basically go into this like coma of ecstasy and never return because you your brain had like basically permanently pushed that button and so you know uh that kind of inspired some of this too is i was like well you know it's not a vhs tape and it's not an electrode in the brain but we'll get as close as we can with whatever means we have and so i mean looking at people that you see that seem to be in the 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 best state i guess of of existence consciousness everything are usually people who have 
found that or found something similar to that and have fucking pushed it but not fucking stayed there you know not stayed there for like got i'm not even gonna point. make that claim i'm just gonna say that there's a button that we haven't reached yet and we've got a major driving force through human history to get there and you know is it gonna bring anything good not necessarily but ecstasy may be involved like not the drug, but I mean, just the experience, you know. Uh, yeah. I guess it could be some of that too. Um, Why not? Yeah, yeah, you know, it's, so I, again, I, I, I because I'm not a uh, licensed medical practitioner, uh, I kind of like that, that I don't, I mean, I can have opinions about these things that don't have to stay within the bounds of like, yes, let's make people better. Yes, let's bring people to a place of healing. Like, let's, you know, I'm not recommending it for others, but I, I very much want to design machines that freak me out more than I've ever been freaked out before. Well, then, so what was the place that's in uh, Las Vegas? That, that Yeah, last time we were talking about Meow Wolf. Okay, yeah. And so, like, comparison to that, um, like, where where does that kind of fall, well, like, with, with the, you know... <laughs> Those type of things is like they they have like they're made like psychedelic art. It's an immersive experience. It's designed that you can go there with kids or like on a date. Uh, but there are, I mean, I I was there having like I was you know my jaw hurt from grinning too much the entire time. Uh, because it was just awesome. Like I had a great time there. But uh, I think there's always going to be again when you open something to the public, you immediately have a lot more safety requirements and there's got to be fire escapes and sprinklers and like, you know, ways to handle different situations when people don't, when somebody has an adverse response to the situation you created. And so, you know, it's like they're shooting for not getting sued. Right. Uh, you know, again, if I'm experimenting on myself, like I'm willing to accept a higher rate of casualties because. It's you. You're, yeah, you're exactly. not, you're not going to, you're not going to sue yourself. Not at this point. Um, <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah, that's that's the next level, right? Right. <laughs> Five million dollar lawsuit against Dean Garlington filed by Doctor yeah. Ian. <laughs> Who is this guy? Gotta get and, sure that. Yeah, and so, but I mean, like, so what about if there's is there a way to do it with multiple people at once, or is this a solo fucking mission? Uh, I mean, could you both be driving the fucking car? When we first designed it, we were making a hexagon that had about a 22 foot diameter. And so the idea was that uh, up to, you know, probably four, maybe five or six people could go into it at once. Um, but at this point, just because, uh, you know, we had some changes in our funding and then uh, a little bit more about our setup, we're going to start by just making sure we get all the like uh, hardware technology down first. So we'll just, we'll work on our pro prototypes. And then I think at the point at which we have some, uh, some success with our own little like kind of smaller individual things then we could start figuring out how to scale it a little bit larger so theoretically how large could you scale it i mean could you do it as could you do the whole fuck let's say you get somehow you get the whole fucking world to come into one place could you theoretically do the whole world i i if, if I everybody if, i yeah. mean you could yeah, I mean, I see festivals where people have all sorts of crazy audiovisual technology available to them where they're able to create, you know, big giant things that thousands of people experience at once. But again, that's that's like a, a kind of a different level for it. I mean, right now, just 
I'll start with one. If we can yeah. reach two, then I'll, I'll be happy with that too. I mean, yeah, as two people's lives has completely changed. And, yeah. you know, be, being able to change a life is pretty fucking cool, you know? Again, I don't want to promise life-changing things either. It might just be something it, creation on, you know, Friday evening. But ha- has it changed Ian's life? Dr. Ian's life? The machines his- haven't, but some of the other things have, for sure. <laughs> so, and yeah, I mean, you're being able to compound those, and yeah, like, that, that's how it was, like, with, so... Uh, yeah, we're going to ramify it. Yeah, so what, like, with... Uh, have you gone and done the float tank before? Have you done those? I, uh, you know, I, again, like I was, uh, I had a friend visiting, uh, from Japan and I told him I would take him on like the, the acid walk of Portland. So we, we took the bus downtown and we were just marching through the city the entire time. And for some reason, float tanks came up and I'm like, wait a minute, I've got a friend who's got a float shop. We're going to walk over to it. So I hadn't seen him for, you know, who I'm talking about, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, I hadn't seen him for for years. And, uh, you know, like 2 p.m. in the afternoon, we burst through the front door of this thing. I got my camera on and out, like with a tripod and like big mic out. And I'm like, you know, Dylan, I haven't seen you. And I give him a hug and he's like, well, what's going on, guys? And we're like, we're here to float. And he's like, "Uh, yeah, we're pretty booked up right now. And I'm like, we're here to float. And he's like, you guys can't be in here like this right now. Like, you got to leave. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make you uncomfortable. And he's like, here, we'll, we'll put you in the schedule book. But uh, only requirement is that you have to float completely sober the first time. And I was like, hmm. Hmm. So anyways, uh, yeah, we did go back and float eventually. Um, I haven't had a lot of experience in float tanks. I know that a lot of people have had a lot more. And I mean... But even him, like, yeah. even when he was getting into it, he was listening to Joe Rogan's podcast and hearing about, like, you know, smoking DMT and going the going the isolation tank each day. And yeah, and I, I mean, that. yeah, like, I, so I took fucking I, I saw that or you know noticed that you can when they get you out, they play the music a little bit. They do like the oh, you know, time to get the fuck out here. Let me turn up the music a little bit and get you out. So I was like, well, if they're putting that in at the end, they can put that in throughout the whole time. There's yeah. no reason why they can't do that. So um, with hypnosis, you are not allowed to do hypnosis on a client. Um, so I wanted to go and uh, put it together with a massage. Because so I was like, a massage feels fucking pretty damn good. Like, it's pretty nice. I'm like, I put hypnosis with it some sort of relaxation hypnosis with it that'd be cool but you can't hypnotize people in the same room if the one the people are naked so i was like okay so that won't work but i was like well with the float tank if i can put this if i can record it so i'm not like just sitting there in the fucking black room and also with those like the difference between being in one of those egg pods or being in like a full room is a big fucking difference. Like, I don't like doing the egg pod things. Cause I feel like there's always a bit of light and you can still kind of hear shit. Yeah. But if you get, if you, I don't know what, what the float shop has, if it has those or if it has like the rooms you walk into yeah, and, and okay. So what, what did you do? I did the tank, the egg. Okay. You should do, if you go back and do it again, do the other one It's a lot better. Okay. Um, yeah, it's. I feel you get everything's a lot more, like, 
pitch black and and dark um yeah but yeah so yeah my my friend crystal and i we went there uh or went to the one uh, i won't say they're one of their competitors but uh yeah, another yeah. one that's that's in in the area and um yeah at nighttime you can go in there and do long ones and so we both had uh a relaxation hypnosis put in like at the beginning of the the float so yeah and it's only like 20 probably 20 25 minutes or so and then have i think i think we were in there for like two and a half hours or something and so then I just have two hours to just chill out but then like that that compound of the hypnosis plus the float tank together, put it on top of each other. And like, I was totally hundred percent sober at that point too. And I, I assume if, if other stuff is added into it, which I haven't got to do yet on a float tank. And that is something that uh, I would like to get to that point. And, but I think, yeah, the more, the more things you can do, like there's not really a limit to how many different things you can put on. Like you're saying with, with, with the helmet and uh, does the helmet have a name or do I just call it the helmet? Uh, my friend, a name? Uh, he collects, I mean, it probably does. Uh, he collects a bunch of different devices. Uh, and so we've just been experimenting with trying to figure out how to program for a couple of them. But uh, right now, no, the, the thing that we're developing doesn't have a specific name. He's using something by, uh, I think it's open BCI. Okay. And BCI, I think, is Brain Computer Interface or something like that. Like, they were doing a, like, he was sending me these videos of, uh, like, some master class they were offering, and it was showing, like, the installation of, uh, like, brain scanning electrodes, like, intracranial. Like, it was like they actually had the head open, and they were, like, installing it into the brain and the, like, pictures that he was showing me. I'm Holy like, I'm not shit. quite ready for that, but uh, it just seems as though that same company, like whatever BCI or not, uh, what was the company called? Well, this one's a little different from what he was sending me the link for yesterday, but yeah, this is, let me just paste it in the chat. There you go. This is it. Oh, okay. All right. So, so then if you scroll down, like, I'm not quite sure exactly what that thing is. This is the type of stuff that he's got is like these, uh, it looks like this shit. Electrode uh, caps. Yeah. Yeah. If you go a little lower, there oh. might be some other examples. Okay. So it, it looks, so is this the same thing that they have on the, uh, on the AI dolls, like on the, uh, same sort of thing. Is this a real person? I'm assuming that's a real person. Okay. Uh, it's so yeah. that. So, look, I mean, look at that synthetic telepathy with subvocal recognition, where you can just you can train it basically to uh, when you think thought when you think verbally uh, that it would be able to translate those verbal thoughts into uh, text. Holy shit! Okay. Imagine if we so... both had the helmets on and we could hear each other uh, thinking. Because, I mean, it's taking, like, I don't know exactly how that works, but at least that seems to be, like, what that uh, thing is implying. Yeah, like, I, I think of that uh, Chappelle show skit where with Dave Chappelle where uh, 
he's walking around and uh yeah has like the, the inner thoughts of everybody where he has the uh the video camera going around and can do it and so i mean especially like in, in a, a state where you're you know uh in that heightened state of existence and awareness and shit yeah. where you already kind of lose that filter. And a lot of your, you know, it's already kind of out there and without saying, I, mean, I got a chance next. to try one of these, uh, in a, like a party situation. Um, and you know, so I was surrounded by people that I liked and we had it set up that it was, uh, using Bluetooth to broadcast my brainwaves onto the wall. What, what, uh, so by we, we had a projector and it was showing my brainwaves like up on the wall. And so, you know, it was just kind of, it was, it was my first time to ever put one of those on, but people would be like, all right, you know, tell an embarrassing story from something that happened to you when you were a kid. And everybody like look at the wall and see like what went up and they'd be like, all right, now do a bunch of jumping jacks. And so I started doing jumping jacks and like burpees and pushups. And you could see like a different part of my brain, like activating and stuff. And they're like, all right, now meditate. And I'd like try to like, close my brain way down. And then what people thought was interesting is like comparing my brain waves and my responses to that of other people who weren't uh, tripping out. Yeah. And it was just, I mean, we weren't we weren't measuring anything scientifically, but it was just like, you know, pure, like we're all staring at the graphs and just trying to see like, okay, look, Ian's brain is doing this one thing, but everybody else's brain is doing this other thing. Uh, so, and I just, I mean, regardless of anything, we came to a conclusion of like, I was having a great time. Was it was it different parts of your brain or was it the same parts of your brain amplified? Uh, I mean, yeah. I think we noticed that like just different parts of the brain were kind of doing stuff or like there were certain times where like lots of different sections of the brain were like activated. Whereas normally it might be like one or two sections of the brain, but this yeah, would be like four or five or something. Things when you're sober uh, versus oh. like having other sections like seemed like there was just more activity, but uh. I don't know. Anyway, so that's the kind of thing that we were playing around with. And then we figured that if we were to take the excitement and translate that into something that was like more experiential, like uh, like connect it to a really, really big subwoofer and have it change like the, you know, the tone or whatever that's like, you know, which frequency it's vibrating at, like goes up and down based on like certain areas of your brain activating, like you'd feel that like the whole room would kind of jostle or whatever a little bit from that like low vibration. So that's one of the things, basically a strobe light and a big sub. I think it would be the two things that really kind of get you going. So whatever your brain is reacting to on that level, like when you see whatever is reacting to and the waves are going more in that way, then you just notice that take that and whatever is going up the most, you crank up the, the power on that. I guess I don't know power is yeah, the right like, word. I think uh, you would basically have uh the thing is uh, exporting data over something called OSC, which is kind of similar to MIDI. And Ouch, you okay. find like a particular, like it's measuring 13 points of the brain. So you could choose a specific area that you wanted to map to like, for example, the volume control or the, on that sub. And so that when your brain's not active at all, it's not doing much, but when suddenly it starts getting more and more active, you could have that, like, for example, you had like a, a particular note playing uh, and you would have it modulated to the volume or some other effect like the pitch or something like that uh, based on that one area of your brain. And so you could do that. Like you could have your frontal cortex controlling like the complexity of the melody playing. And you could have like other areas of your brain affecting like uh, like a stutter effect or a beat repeat on like a drum track. 
And so that, you know, you it would probably be hard to like precisely create music with your brain, but you could do things either physically or mentally that would cause the music to change to some degree, whether you have a lot of like, it's not like a, you know, you're not composing a symphony with your mind, but at the same time, there are, the music is being modulated by what's happening in your head. So do you think if you're more musically inclined in the first place that you would be able to kind of notice this, if you're looking at this shit in real time to be able to kind of train your brain to go a certain way to be able to possibly make those uh make it into a, a composition that would make sense uh i think that it's your brain waves are kind of unwieldy like it's pretty hard to get i mean you could probably practice in a way that you'd be able to be like okay i'm meditating so i can do this and then when i'm doing this i can get it to increase but really it's got a, it kind of has a mind of its own in a sense so i don't know how much control a person would be able to uh bring into it but um yeah that's that's kind of that's what we're playing around with right now yeah it's fucking just it's just a weird fucking world man like that that's something that that it came to and like that's i mean because we talked about how how it came up i think on the last one how how it all came came to and uh i just been thinking about it and it's it's a lot it's a, it's a lot to take in and it's one of those like, you, I, like people i feel like people who are listening are going to have to go and stop and it's going to take maybe if like a day or, or two to let it really sink in is it so like if you're talking to average joe but the average joe is probably not listening to this show but talking to average joe and you're you're talking about this is this where where's like average joe where's dude who's like pretty into this or where's people who are like very against it are are any of those things changing at all on the levels of where they feel they um are or it's just if you're there you're there i tried to tell my neighbor about it and he was sitting there having a beer and I was just like, you know, I was pretty excited and I sat down in a lawn chair next to him. I was like, yeah, and then we're going to do this. And then the brain feeds back with this and that. And then, you know, after about five minutes, he's like, dude, I'm sorry. I don't understand what the fuck you're talking about. And so- that's kind of the, I think like, you know, the, the, like the Starbucks staff at the Starbucks that I hang out at, like they hear right. about it sometimes when I'm ordering my coffee and they're just like, Ian, we're so proud of you. We don't know what you do, but we're just really proud of you. And like, you know, that that's, I think that's where most people want to leave it. They're like, oh, that guy's trying hard on something like good for him. I hope when your book comes out, your next book, uh, that it has that on the, like the, the first, like that when people write their, uh, you know, the, the foreword and stuff, uh, it'll be like Starbucks staff, like, hey, Ian, like he, you know. I don't know what he's doing, but he, um, you know, happy he's doing it, man. He's doing great at it. Yeah. And uh, is that that's something that's gone through, uh, going through your brain? And if it would be a book, would it be something that wouldn't be just only text? Or is it is another book something that you're looking into doing? Uh, I don't know if we talked about this last time or not. Yeah. We talked I about mean, another I'd, book. I'd, uh, yeah, I'd like to. I don't know whether a book's most effective. Like my question is kind of like, you know, I, I spent a lot of time reading books and 
I find that like giving books to people usually isn't very effective. Like most people don't read the book you give them, or it's kind of like, I don't like it when people give me books because they're basically like, Hey, here, give me 10 to 20 hours of your life to, you know, process through this thing that you may or may not be interested in. And so I don't really want to ask people to, to read stuff that they're not into, but, uh, you know, so I've, I've kind of played around, like, you know, is it, is it better to have like some sort of, you know, technology is changing a lot, different media is available. So it seems like what audience is best. Like, I don't know if the book is the best format or like, you know, maybe one minute short form vertical videos on, you know, YouTube and TikTok, or yeah. I, I, I don't know exactly. Um, that's a question I think a lot of people have right now is kind of, if you're a creator is like, who are you creating for? Where's your audience? What's the platform? Like, I know, uh, Jeremy, said he's struggling with making music right now because he can't visualize who's listening to it interesting yeah he said that's so i've started like trying to use his music in my car commercials and stuff and i'm like well it may not be your ideal audience but you've got thirty thousand people that like toyota trucks who have now heard your song which is cool i mean yeah it's like that uh you know sometimes stuff just sits around it's like well what what i do with this like yeah who's who's gonna you know but then you never know because then you get you get something like that and like having uh having those tunes yeah go out to something different and it's because i mean yeah it's it's hard too like with uh with jeremy or uh who's a million times better at making music than i am but Me. yeah and but then like being able to you know type in like oh make me this fucking song and fucking 15 seconds later it's done and it's and it's the same thing with this like i could right now take everything that i've done with this show fucking upload it and have it like continuously make me content forever and i can just fucking go die right now and it'll create it forever and i never have to think about anything ever again in my life but is that where we want to go? But I mean, or why, if we're not going there, someone else is going to go there. But then I got to think like with that, like with like the stuff that people can do with music who are not musically inclined right now is going to be cool. And then I think the people who are very musically inclined can take what those people are doing and mm -hmm. fucking up it again. And I think that's, what's going to kind of need to happen. And cause yeah. 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 I would say that, yeah, definitely as we see more AI music coming out and especially like real-time generation of it, uh, that would be the next step is like, um, cause you know, all those, as I was saying, you basically with your brain waves, when it's low activity, that's closer to zero. And then with high activity, that would be one. And so it's sending us like a real-time data of a very, like a parameter or a number that's between zero to one. And that's using that to affect like a slider on something. So you know, I was giving the examples of like affecting like a drum track or the melody or something like that. But, you know, you could affect pretty much anything. Like if it was uh, the same program that we we're routing through to go to Ableton could be used to route into like a 3D engine, like Unreal 5 or something like that. And in that you can, you know, they have all sorts of like environmental controls. Like you could have your brainwaves affect the weather in the environment that you're in. Like you could have, you know, it rain or clouds form or like snowfall and things like that based on like different things going on. So there's I think oh. the, or, um, you know, if you were, yeah, I think that like what you were saying, like, uh, 
the way that AI is going to streamline or automate so much of the adjustments and what we see and hear that like, for example, like, you know, it's not just like, okay, this is increasing or decreasing the volume on this, but like you could map it to something that would like, for example, you have like a reggae knob and it like basically takes whatever you're listening to and it basically converts it into reggae to a various, like in different degrees and like, okay, yeah, hundred percent reggae, but now it's only 50% reggae. So you can still hear a little bit of the Metallica in there, whatever it is that you originally uploaded. But like this idea that it could, I mean, maybe that's not a perfect example, but that's just kind of like the thought that comes to my mind. It's like what, like with a lot of those things automated, like what could be, um, like what are you affecting with those like uh, zero to one variables? So, I mean, is that something that that is going with it as well, going into the, the real-time video mapping of, uh, you know, possibly something of that, like what, like you were saying, with changing the weather, like if you're going yeah. driving through Tokyo, all of a sudden you get you get a rainstorm, uh, and then yeah, you start. Yeah, oh, I mean, really, like that's. Uh, yeah, I think all that is like definitely pretty. We're getting closer to that for sure. Like, uh, again, I haven't played around enough with Unreal Five, but I watched some tutorials of it, and it seems as though there's just so many things that can be affected in real time with that, whether it's. Yeah, just just all sorts of stuff. Like I know Bryce, the guy who I'm working on this with, uh, previously had created. He worked on a team that was making a game to train people to get into a flow state of brain. And in the game, like when your brain waves got to the right level, uh, the car that you were driving would drive faster. So your brain waves were connected to the software, and then you would get like a speed boost when you got your brain into the flow state. So it was trying to train you to always get into that state so that you'd be able to perform better. That's, that's what I did when I was doing that neurofeedback, that's exactly what I was doing. And then, yeah. you know, get me to that point. And it was supposed to help with, uh, cause I didn't want to take, uh, any, you know, uh, Ritalin or that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so I went and I did this as a, as an alternative and Ooh. yeah, it was getting into that, that flow state, like where we need to get it to, yeah, the car will start speeding up and, um, I don't know, seem to know, I know how to get there now. And, you know, yeah, that's, right. yeah, w without, yeah, I just like, <laughs> how are people doing it? You know, they don't, they might not have a, a crazy stare on their face, but. Um, they get there somehow, yeah. Yeah, they get there somehow. And, shit. So then, so what? what would happen if, someone else was watching what their output was would that what what would that do to their brain waves or their state of mind like if someone like you were standing in the room with them and you saw all this on the screen oh, yeah what, I mean, would you go into that state of mind or would you still be in your state of mind kind of changed a little bit or i don't know I, I don't know. We thought about that. Like we thought about uh, making like an observation room. Like we have the test chamber and then we have like a, a window oh. and then we have the observation room. And then, you know, I think uh, last year, like we were really excited about the potential for chat GPT and then metahumans and something called whisper GPT to all get connected. So it would be the idea that you could talk uh, in real time and have like voice to text, uh, basically translate your speech to text that's an input into chat GPT. 
and then the answer would then be spoken by a metahuman. So it takes that text and then animates. Uh, metahuman is like a way of generating like fake people in Unreal Five. Uh, it's like a oh. free thing that is out there where you can make like ultra realistic non-existent people and then they can all be mapped so you would be able to have it take the text that you generated and have it speak it through the like the face of the metahuman basically i wanted like a okay. like a c3po type thing right because i kind of figured that's like what chat gpt is, is it's basically like slightly over polite ai thing that people talk shit to and make feel bad because they don't want to hurt a real person's feelings um, but I mean, it's no nice like, it. C3PO took a lot of shit. Like people talk some mad shit to that guy throughout the movie. And I mean, sure, yeah. he was annoying sometimes, but like, and you see that what people do to abuse ChatGPT right now too. And so I figured that like the faster we could get it to have its own face and its own voice and be something that you could like talk to. Like I wanted to just bring like a laptop with me everywhere I go and be like, oh, that's my droid buddy. And like, just keep right. it open. And like, you know, it's just there all the time when I need something. I'm like, hey. Uh, and so that was one of the ideas is that in the waiting room, like while the person, like if you're two people are in one person's like in the test chamber, seeing the strobe lights and the other guys watching through the window that at the same time that there's like a, uh, you know, while you're in the the waiting room, you're interacting with or talking with uh, some kind of sketchy metahuman that's like been fed, you know, various amounts of information about you or your friend or whatever it is that is hopefully able to, you know, increase the level of un uncomfortability. So I mean, would everyone have their own individual uh, C3PO type uh, metahuman, or would that be one that I mean, would be adaptable? We're going to have our we're going to have our first one uh, that would just be ours that would you know talk to whoever was in the room. But I mean, theoretically, everybody could have like their little droid buddy. Yeah, I why not? You know, uh, yeah, C3PO. Uh, I think Rudy Rucker's like Wear Tetralogy, uh, science fiction books from the 90s. He got the Philip K. Dick Award a few times for it. It's great books. But uh, like on the moon, uh, the characters like have these uh, like familiars or avatars of some kind. They're like these little like pint-sized humans. They're like, a f I think, two feet tall and they're scaled proportionately. So it's like a little person. And they basically like run around. They're kind of annoying, but they're kind of like, Imagine if your cats could like talk and do more like kind of like interactive things. And so people, I think instead of pets, just had these like weird little robot humans that are like not full size robots, but like little tiny, like two foot tall things that kind of like run around and do stuff. Like and, robotic? Yeah, like they're, or... little, they're like little robots, but it's, they're, you know, a little more advanced. And so I figured that like that's that's where I want my, you know, metahuman to end up is like I'd like it to be like a fully functional two foot tall person that like runs around and can, uh, you know, something I can interact with. So, I mean, to interact with it, would it be to, for, you know, what, what purpose to interact with it? Would it be for just everything? Okay. I mean, friend or, you know, yeah. maybe I need to like, well, I mean, what are people using chat GPT for? And like, if it's just for text, like, what could you, uh, you know, what kind of things would you ask it? Like, that's the kind of things I guess. Yeah, and I mean, comic and relief. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've seen some people fucking yeah ask ChatGPT some shit and you know find ways around it to get around the the parameters of ChatGPT and and yeah, uh, it's it's interesting. But then as far as uh, I just lost the other part. Uh, what was the other part you were just saying about it? Uh, little robots. 
ChatGPT. Uh, but that it could also do companionship, and what's the other thing? Uh, you could ask it to do like, I don't know what are, what are people normally doing companionship or uh, something like relief? Oh, comic relief. Okay, that's what it was. Okay, so I took I took my jokes that I wrote fucking in ten years ago, ten eleven years ago. And put those in, and I get. I'm like, give me ten new fucking punchlines for this shit, and like one or two of them were, were really good. Like each time I did them, and uh, and I I keep thinking how many people are doing like using ChatGPT now. They're doing comedy, um, and why not? Why not? And like, I, cause I thought about this too. I'm like, well, if and I can't remember shit. I have a horrible memory. Uh, as far as short-term memory or, and I don't like repeating myself. That's why I have a, a podcast. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to recite the same thing over and over. It would drive me yeah, crazy. Yeah, that makes sense. And so no, like, like up on stage delivering the same line, like 500 times and be like, this is when they're going to laugh. Yeah. Right. And it's, it was hard. Like, especially like with open mics, you got people I've seen them like, Oh, here he goes for the 87th time telling the same joke that I've heard. And then there's like four people in the audience and then like 20 comics or something. And it's just like, Oh, okay. This here it comes again. And, but then if I had, uh, if I took my phone, so everyone can know this before I'm doing this, uh, and take it, say all my jokes out and then have like pauses that I think that will be just like, and then just play it in my ear and then just, say it like if i was doing acting or something that's what i would do i get a little tiny thing i would say all the lines because i can't remember lines and just yeah. like do that and just recite them uh out of my mouth and i bet you know with chat gpt come up with shit every fucking night and have you know i don't know at least test it out and be able to have something probably pretty quick and especially if you have something of a, a uh you know a c3po comic relief with you to be able to feed off of you and then you can just fucking go like and yeah I mean, I, i'm kind of surprised that hasn't i don't know i don't know what people are doing now. i haven't been to a com comedy show for a little while but um i see some people doing comedy and i assume some people are using some chat gpt to come up with shit and who says you can't Why call me a hack yeah, yeah. it I had it write uh, like a Japanese folk song about selling old four wheel drive vans in Portland. Holy and shit. Japanese, and it did it. I showed my Japanese friends and they're like, it's fucking perfect. Like, Have you gotten to make it? The song? Yeah. Uh, no, we never, we never performed it or anything. I mean, I guess we could, uh, we could try to have I... some Japanese people tell me how to do it and I'll. <laughs> I mean, I think you have to now. Like, yeah, I guess uh... the song does exist somewhere. So I need to, I could probably go back and find the record of it and then uh see if we can make a recording yeah i mean it's at the time like the idea like that you know, saying back with the music with the the idea without having the know-how is something that's like as as a purist of, of so many things it's just it's hard to be like Ah, oh, you son of a bitch, man! Or like writing a book. I I made a book called I don't even know what the book was called. Uh, and it was very short. It was like, uh, oh god damn. Uh, 
I don't even know what it was called. Uh, that's 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 how I talk about my book. It's all right. Uh, it's yeah, short and sweet. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, I don't fucking know. Uh, but the fact that you can do that, and I did it, and like fucking, it took longer to put it all together than um than it did for anything else like yeah. then making the actual fucking thing uh fuck. pp pool so it was about uh not peeing in a pool oh here we go keep yeah let me see if i can pull this up <laughs> so so PP free poolside Palooza by Rusty Diamond. What the fuck is this? <laughs> so there's a book that you it's basically to because I go I go to the pool a lot and I go to the water slide parks uh, a lot and I wanted to make a uh, a book about teaching kids not to piss in the pool. Yeah. I get, yeah. So you know that's uh I made a book. So where'd you get that cover art, man? Uh. Fucking chat GPT or whatever, like one of those other mid journey like, or one of the one yeah, of the yeah, mid, I think it was mid journey, yeah. And so, perfect, uh, perfect, yeah. So, you know, like, why not, man? There's this shit. I mean, no one's bought one, I haven't tried putting it out anywhere, but uh, my friend's yeah. making uh, coloring books for kids on mid journey and sells them on Amazon, like, does it with like, the, yeah, that's the thing, that's it's fucking great, like, someone. Uh, who can't draw or even if they can draw, like being able to conceptualize that and not having to, you know, s spend the time to do it and just work as fast as your brain works and not have that hang up of, I fucking like, or even that, that little thing in your head saying, I fucking suck at art. Uh, I yeah. can't do this. But now it's just like, dude, boom, it's, it's done. Like I'm, I, I can't do art. You, uh, no, you, were, you were in my, fourth and fifth grade class where we had an art teacher and my stuff looked like it still probably is not any better than it was yeah right it might be too man it's that but, I, I had the same thing is in my you know my son sam hates drawing or painting or anything like that and yeah we've we've had pretty good success with like using it for school projects and oh cool like we even we were doing some dioramas of the like mesopotamian uh different like city states and like villages and towns uh for my daughter and with that like i just typed into mid journey i'm like uh claymation di or clay di or diorama of mesopotamian city-state and it just you know generates like 50 different things and so we go through and we pick the ones that look like the easiest for us to build and then we reconstruct it in real life and so i made like actual dioramas based on the fake dioramas that were generated through mid journey and you know the teacher was like we're keeping these these are going to be our example for the future for all classes and i'm like yeah yeah i did this right this is perfect yeah exactly so it's oh. i i mean i'm just having a great time with all of it like i think uh again and it's i just wish i had more time for playing like i just wish every day like i had more time to just like play with all these new tools that just came out like it seems like all this stuff is just still every day so, um and then again like we're seeing more and more integration with like uh, a lot of these AI tools into again bringing it back to the machine Let's or whatever. But, uh, yeah, like being able to generate things that would then be like automatically like integrated into something else 
um that was one of our ideas too is like while you were like if you were for example had a headset on that like well you're if you were talking with um like the things that you're saying would then be fed into mid journey which would then create images which would then be put into the environment like within you know 30 seconds to a minute after you said it and so like if you were having a conversation with this you know for example some ai entity uh, that then the content of both what you're saying or what the response would be would be then like reflected in your environment in different ways, like either in still images that are changing or like different things like that, but just different ways that like as fast as possible, we would be able to have like the content of speech turned into like some sort of experienced world. I don't know. We're, we're working on it still, but no, again, no. Like, so, and I mean, just even that, like, for like even to record that like just for like a movie um again like with with hypnosis if i have people that are get uh i like to do air quotes uh with this uh writer's block i i like doing the past life regression or whatever you may call it whatever whatever the yeah. fuck it is and you're going to come up with ideas. You're going to have stuff that is like so vivid and you can see everything, experience everything and have, you know, goodbye writer's block. You have something to write about. Yeah. And um, I'm actually, I'm doing that later on today. I haven't done it for like five years on myself. Uh, last time I did it was, yeah, when I was training and, um, but yeah, I mean, just, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what's going to, if I'm going to go somewhere different or, or what, but um, I mean, whatever, who knows what's going on in your brain, man? Like yeah, in your right? brain, like, and just being able to capture that, like, and I don't know, like, what it would be like to watch it back if whatever you're experiencing and going and watching it back, what you would feel or like what you would like what where the what the fuck was i doing there like or um i don't know if, if it would be over analyzed or if it would just be you know watch it back and just take it in as it is and this is what was happening or what but yeah well good luck know, with man. it well yeah i uh, thank you i fucking hope so i hope it's uh worst case i'm gonna feel good at the end of the day so uh, For sure. can't really beat that but um uh, so then were there any other topics you did want to uh, cover at all or i didn't know if uh no like, dude he, well, let's call let's call it a good call it good man okay cool i let, got let, I just yeah. got more content i uh i found this uh pamphlet on oh, hospital founding then fucking bring that up bring that up well, I no, thought, i mean I, we, I, we I don't I, have to bring it up but i'm just you know i gotta well, i gotta stack I, the things we got i thought you were you were start your own religion just, I thought you were trying to get out of here, man. So no, like, no, no, I'm not trying to get out of here. I just wanted to bring it up. Bring it up. You got books. Bring it up. Bring it up. Let's talk I about it. Books always, but uh, well, you know, like, well, you know, you said this one like really hit home with you, right? Dude, yeah, I fucking, I have it, part of it, fucking tattooed on my. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, like, it was weird, dude. Like when I read that, when you told me about that, because we were in Lake Oswego, and I remember you just come up to me and you you were like, dude. Man, you gotta fucking read this shit. Like, this is gonna change your change your life right here. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, but but then it's also you weren't giving me something that was uh read this is gonna take you 10 hours to read. Um, 
But you know what? It did took take me a while because it's a, it's, it's a, a lot to fucking take in. Yeah, every line has significance, right? You know, you open randomly. And by the way, like if you're not watching the video, this is a uh, Principia Discordia by uh, Carrie Thornley and Gregory Hill. It's like a fifty-something page pamphlet that they put out. I think in the late fifties, early sixties, after they had a mystical experience at a bowling alley, uh, and then. Yeah, they they created this book which has wisdom that will uh you know continue to ring true in the future. Like, you know, you open randomly to page two and it says, Remember, King Kong died for your sins. And, and then it says, uh, Ho Chi Zen is King Kong. Uh I think Ho Chi Zen was uh Terry Thornley's pen name. Uh and it's okay. just, you know, kind of a weird, random, eclectic collage book. Uh with various different things that I don't know exactly how they glued it all together, but. I, I don't either. And like you said, you can open up to any page and wherever it is, it's, it's something. And it's a lot of it just is, huh. It's how I felt. I felt that a bunch, just looking at it and reading it and just like. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, like that. Page 28, yeah. how to start a Pui or P-O-E-E -E cabal without messing around with the polyfather. I don't know who the polyfather is right now. If you can't find the polyfather or having found him, you don't want anything to do with him, you're still authorized to form your own Pui cabal and do priestly things using the Principia Discordia as your guide. The official, your official rank will be Pui chaplain for the Legion of the Dynamic Discord, which is exactly the same thing as a Pui priest, except that you don't have the uh, ordination certificate. Uh, words are now, or the words you are now reading are your ordination. And then it's right got there, becoming a chaplain, something about a baptismal rite. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, so I, I I don't know if you've talked much about it, but uh, or have, did you ever look much into uh, Thornley or into Gregory Hill? Not enough. Not. I don't even think I did. The guy who made it. Uh, I don't know if I've rambled about it before, but uh. Harry Thornley was in uh, the Air Force back in the 1950s, and he was stationed at uh, Atsugi Military Base uh, in Japan. And when he was there, one of the other guys in his, uh, I don't know if it was a platoon or what, whatever his group was, uh, was uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. Oh. So he wrote a novel about uh lee harvey oswald back in 1961 called the idol warriors and i think it's about them just like kind of doing pranks uh and just kind of fucking around like while they're in the air force and not really having much to do in post-war japan um and you know oswald was kind of a weird guy like he was really into marxism at the time and had a defect i think he defected to russia after that like after he got out of the military uh, and then came back to the U.S. Some people thought possibly as a spy. Uh, he had a Russian wife at this point. Um, and so Thornley then became like kind of an interest, like an object of interest for the FBI and the CIA after the assassination, because, you know, they're like, well, wait, you wrote a novel about the assassin uh, before he did it. So what's up with your connection with him? And apparently like they kind of looked the same and they both lived in the same area of New Orleans uh, in like the Cuban quarter uh, back like from like 1960 to 19, like right up to around the time that it happened. So um, 
Thornley's got just like a weird, I mean, I see him as an example of like when a person basically got killed by coincidence. Like eventually as he got older, he became more and more paranoid. Uh, he started to believe that like the CIA was influencing all of his friends and family. Uh, you know, he like called Robert Anton Wilson, who's an author I like, uh, you know, one night and basically said, hey, you know, I know that you you flew across the country and put LSD in my drink tonight. And, uh, you know, that's that's why I'm tripping out right now. And like, it's because you you laced my drink, you worked for the CIA. So, you know, Robert Anton Wilson's like, well, here, you, you know, you, you know, my wife, like you can talk to her on the phone. She can tell you that I didn't fly anywhere or do anything. And he's like, no, no, she's an agent, too. So, oh, you know, no. Thornley became more and more paranoid. He started, he was working as a dishwasher a lot of the time. Uh, and so he had like his fan base that would like, you know, he was known for like having people who like wanted to hang out with him and talk to him. So he'd be like washing the dishes and he'd have like fans who wanted to like stand next to him in the kitchen. Like while he's at work and the managers are like, all right, you're this weird guy who's got like a little fan club and like you're homeless, but you've held these like giant boxes of like your anarchist literature that you bring everywhere with you um but oh, basically shit. yeah he he kind of lost his mind and then he wandered around in the south outside until he died from exposure i think uh probably when he was in his 60s uh so it's but again like the the reason that he seemed to have uh headed down the path of extreme paranoid schizophrenia had to do i think more with uh you know just a series of event after event after event that led him to become just like kind of paranoid like he believed that he had specific evidence about what happened to JFK and he started taking it very seriously. And I think that's one of the things that his friends and family and, you know, counselor and whatnot started to realize is that like when he could still be a little bit like playful or a little bit like, wow, that's some crazy shit, but I don't know. And then like maintain that attitude, he would be fine. But when he started being like, holy shit, man, we figured it out. Like, you know, this, this is the truth. Like this is what's going on. Like as soon as he started to get that certainty that like brought about a certain seriousness, and the seriousness yeah. is like, once you've seen something that you don't really know how to process, if you become serious about it, then it tends to become kind of either a fixation or like a single thing that can destroy you. And that seems to be kind of what happened with him is that he literally like lost the ability to laugh and joke around. And as he got older, like he just became completely consumed by this like single paranoid vision of like what happened to the president and his relationship to that. Because well, they started to suspect him as being the assassin at some point, and there was a bunch of other, there's there a bunch of weird files about him. And uh, Oliver Stone interviewed him a lot before they made the movie GFK. He's not, yeah, yeah, he wasn't in it, but uh, I don't think they included a character for him either. But at the same time, like, it seems like some things of his version did make it into some of the more mainstream like conspiracy versions. Because yeah, I mean, like, how do you come back from that? How do you come back from? someone thinking that you fucking killed the president like where how do you like no i guess it was just a must you know mistaken identity and uh i guess that's i'm going with life now well, it'd be hard to come back like his brother was hospitalized too for uh prolonged exposis or prolonged psychosis as a result of uh lsd which is like a small percentage of the population uh is more susceptible to that like if you trip out a whole lot that some people just have a tendency to uh, experience like long-term, not long-term, but like you can, I mean, Robert Crumb said the same thing. The comic artist uh, said that like in his most creative period, like there was one point where he'd just been doing tons of acid and he just had a break from reality where he had like a full month where he was just like out of his mind, like completely out of his mind. And like all of his characters came out of that month and like everything that 
was important for his creativity in the future all came from that like complete break but it was just like a full month of being insane or like uh you know terence mckenna uh yeah. was a famous uh kind of psychedelic um i don't even know what you call him ethnobotanist uh he had been going to he took his brother dennis down to uh i think it's in the book true hallucinations uh describes going to the upper amazon basin in search for uh i think uh ayahuasca and when they were looking for it though they ended up in some village that had like a cow pasture and in the cow pasture they found a bunch of mushrooms and so they ate the mushrooms and his younger brother dennis like lost his mind and like was like fully just out of his mind for i think it was about a month and they had a problem because he kept going into the like city or in the like the center of this like little town that they were staying in and at two or three in the morning he would ring the fire alarm uh and so everybody would wake up and they said basically like we're we're gonna fucking kill you if you wake us all up in the middle of the night again like stop doing that like we're gonna kick you out and so terrence is sitting there trying begging his brother like please come back please be normal again like please do anything because he can't go back to the states and tell his parents that he destroyed his kid brother by giving him like psychedelic drugs and having him uh basically just go completely insane permanently and eventually dennis did you know come back home mentally uh to the point at which he's i think he's still a pretty functional guy now um but yeah there there does seem to be and i think so carrie and it seems to be somewhat hereditary like that you'd have a proclivity or like a, a higher higher chance that you would end up in a one of those like states of psychosis and so i think that that could have factored into it with carrie thornley too but um have you experienced any people like that before who have gone in, into that uh you don't have to name names or anything but uh i i know a couple instances kind of different instances of people two different people that had some interesting uh and i don't know if they've i know one of them's mostly come back and the other one i i lost touch with probably 20 years ago okay. but had some shit go on but yeah no i've i've seen a couple people who've i don't know anybody personally who's like uh had like a prolonged break with reality as a result of psychedelic drugs but uh i could definitely see that that's a thing for some people yeah i i knew this guy he uh someone like he took uh, ate a bunch of fucking mushrooms and someone told him that like he was the Truman show. Yeah. And that, that's a good thing to tell people, I think. I mean that's Yep. And so then that just it stuck. And so then it was I- I'm gonna take a lot more so I'll be more entertaining when everyone's watching me. Yes. Um, yes. What a what a what a great response. Yeah. When you yeah. when you discovered the paranoid reality that is everything is just a giant TV set and maybe the spectators are just everybody else in the world and this is a fake set or maybe it's a bunch of, you know, maybe it's an intergalactic show, but I absolutely love anything that suggests that uh it's all entertainment but not for us. Like yeah. we are we are the uh the thing that's entertaining, not the uh the thing that's being entertained. And as soon as we realize that, I think that suddenly our morals change because if the only justice that exists in the universe then is some sort of like weird aesthetically based justice, like the only thing that could be good is to be most entertaining and the only thing to be bad would be to be boring. 
And so maximizing your entertainment value for the audience, which you don't really have a way to perceive. Right. You just help. Yeah. But I mean, you can, you know, cause I mean, that's, you see a lot of philosophers sometimes kind of sketchy ones uh, suggesting that what other point could there be? Like, why would anything exist? Why do things exist in the way they do? Why would we have uh, creatures that are alive, but are like fairly unaware in a sense? Like we have explanations of like from biological, like evolutionary perspectives, which explain kind of a necessity for everything. But at the same time, just this idea that, uh, yeah, it's all just entertainment and fodder for the gods and we're not one of them. Right. And yeah, I mean, I, I have no clue. I wish I knew what this, I, I mean, I hope that it's gone past that, but I mean, yeah, this was probably like yeah, 20 years ago that the last time I saw him and, uh, Truman Show, man. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, his name was crazy. And then his name before he went to this, before he thought Truman Show, um, I don't know. I, I hope it's uh, Coolio for him now, and he found found a way to, you know, embrace whatever it is. And yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's because I've heard some people say that everyone needs to do it, and I've also heard that some people absolutely should not do it. Yeah, and... I think it's different people are in different places in life and i think if you uh you know if you are going to get if you require a fairly complex if you require a pretty stable um like concrete explanation of how things are going in the world in order for you to function well then it might not be a good idea if you require like very low context in terms of being it like if you can accept unpredictability and like uncertainty and things like that then yeah it's something that could be more of a benefit but i think that definitely like you know you're opening yourself up and if you suddenly open yourself up and then when you kind of close up again if you end up uh fixating onto something whether it's a different religion even if it's new even if it's a different religion or a different set of symbols like you're still repeating that same pattern of like having belief that you believe in and causes you to act in a certain way and stresses you out in a certain way. Whereas it seems like more of like a radical agnosticism where you're like, Hey, I, I don't, I don't know what the fuck any of this is. seems to be the only way to really get out of it. Like, otherwise, you know, you either don't know the truth and you can admit that you don't know, or you convince yourself that you do know the truth. And then you're kind of fucked because you're like, you know, prone for being panicked because you're like, Oh shit. You know? And you know, yeah. you see that even without psychedelics, like you get people who, you know, they see America as being controlled by a socialist takeover or some sort of what, whatever political story it is that you're convinced is exactly what's going on. Like that's going to most times end up as kind of a nightmarish scenario. And, you know, depending on how nightmarish it is, you got to do something about it. Like it's like, holy shit, like everything's falling apart. We got to we got to take care of it. Well, of course, everything's falling apart. Like everything's been falling apart since people started paying attention because the nature of our perception is that we see things in like kind of an entropic way. Like we see the way in which things break out, break apart. We don't see the way in which uh, new things really come into being. We can't sense directly like how complexity works or like dynamic systems work. We can't understand how life works, like because it's extremely complicated and not 
like the thing humans are really good at is taking dead stuff and recombining it to making tools or into other stuff. We can take inert matter and combine it in different ways to make, we can manufacture stuff, but we can't manufacture life very well, at least at this point. And our way of understanding things through our intellect and our words doesn't really seem to be helping us closer to that per se. It's like kind of there, we have an, we have an inkling of what these things are and we know that we're not very good at managing them. Like, life systems as a whole right well i mean then is that going to take us into the full immersion uh forever full immersion forever never leaving immersion of of being plugged in to to i mean uh this whatever you know or like uh augmented reality forever and just sort of or what you know, the the matrix i guess kind of a, a dealio i mean, I mean for some people probably other people will be like no that's not the answer it's this other thing so i mean we'll post we'll have yeah yeah i have no idea where it's headed well, and then also some other thing with with the the trip, uh, because I was always under the impression that you have to be in like the best spot to trip. Like you got to be fucking don't you don't want to have a bad trip. But uh, one of my co-hosts was saying that like it's the absolute best time to if you're gonna have that bad trip, it's something that you need to experience and something you need to work work out. And you're not gonna have a better way to do it than at this point. And it's being brought to you at this point because you have the best tool to be able to understand it and get get through and that was kind of a oh shit okay yeah I I mean, confronting not confronting but yeah like when you're not in the best space uh sometimes that can be like the thing that pushes you over the edge because it's like you were saying you know the, the breakdown is the breakthrough like you get to uh you know, you need a certain amount of energy to overcome like just exhaustion and fear. And it seems like you know, sometimes that pushes you to that point where the stuff that typically your brain would just be like, no, I don't got time for that right now. Or like, no, I'm just going to block that out. Like you don't really have a choice. Like, it's like, okay, now we're going to, you know, it's got you by the back of the head. And it's like, okay, this is what we're going to do for the next three or four hours. And like you said, sometimes that's from the outside, it seems like the last thing anybody would choose, but I totally agree with that guy that like a lot of the times that's where the most interesting things happen is through those unpleasant psychological states that, you know, panic attacks, yeah. fear, whatever it is that you're dealing with. Like, I mean, it's an interesting question. It's like, do you, there's, I think there's lots of different approaches to it though. Yeah. I mean, could do you go and you try to fucking only think good thoughts only think good thoughts and just totally dismiss it and then but does that push it down even further for again for it to come up in an inopportune time but in i mean i've had five minutes probably in all the time that i've tripped that wasn't great it wasn't a bad trip it was just uh a interesting experience that i was like oh well shit this is like I got, I, I was with the group of, there was a six of us and we were, we were downtown Portland and you know, there was some five of us and someone picked us up and there was a car 
a car with five seats and four people got in and I, I was left behind. And I was like, oh, okay, well, this is interesting. And then I, I ran into my cousin and uh yeah who who was in a cult. And that was the last time I saw him. He was in a cult and I he just showed up. This was like at, near like at Portland State. He yeah. showed up and started talking to me for it felt like a long time. And then I just was like, then I started talking to him. I'm like, okay, well, whatever. Like, this is just what it is. And like, okay, fine. So, but if I wouldn't, I wouldn't have seen him. I wouldn't have experienced <laughs> him there. I've not seen him for, you know, however many years, probably, you know, at least five, 10 years at that point. I think I was like 19 or 20 around then. And yeah, I was like, okay, well, Okay, so, but then, yeah, then I was fine. And it was something like, could have gone bad, but it was something like, okay, well, why, 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 why is this bad? And then I think after that, then I was like, okay, well, I guess now I'm just going to try to make sure I don't have a bad trip. But then when my buddy said that, like, it's okay to have, go down that bad way. And like, I'm like, oh, well, maybe, maybe like, because I always had the rule, like, if I'm not feeling like I want to be tripping, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm only going to do it if I'm I'm in the right space. But it's usually probably not a bad way. But again, I don't. I I agree. Yeah. There could be other situations where you're like, all right, maybe it's time to see what happens. Yeah, and I mean, sometimes yeah, sometimes it's just for I don't know the personal enlightenment and. Which is never, there's never enough, never enough personal enlightenment, and it's always an okay thing to, to have, and when you tell people that when you go, <laughs> so, one time I went into a, uh, like a job placement place, yeah, and they're they're like, oh, you went to college? Uh, what'd you go to college for? And I said personal enlightenment. <laughs> I'm surprised they did not want to work with me after that when I told them that. Yeah, but, you don't want to work with people who don't want to hire you for that. I mean, right? They weren't my people, so I was yeah, like, okay. Exactly. But, you gotta, you gotta feel it, feel it out right at the beginning. So you said the right answer, I think. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Right. And so that was, but that was why I went to college. I, I didn't, I don't know. I wanted to learn stuff, and it was, it was a lot harder to learn stuff than it is now that you know 20 some years ago it was a lot harder to we didn't have as much access to information as we do now even though now we have a lot of access to information but still want to make it difficult but yeah no i know what like, you mean there, there are a lot of options for learning if you're into it right now right like online courses and all sorts of different things just being put out by people like information is out there it's just you know, do we have the self-discipline and the drive to sort through it to find the thing that we think is going to be most effective and then have the discipline to stick with it until we actually gain from it? Yeah. And when do you know you gain from it? And Good point. Yeah. Well, when you're enlightened. When you're what? When you're enlightened. When you're enlightened. When you've reached that, reached that personal enlightenment. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> and as long as we're we're going going forward and learning, 
whatever needs to be learned that day. You know, someday it's learning about some mundane shit, but it might not be mundane shit. Yeah, mundane for sure. Shit does have to be mundane shit. I don't know. No, no, I hear you, man. Um, but there's so much of us that is looking for, like with what you're doing, like looking for how to maximize what can be done uh, with what we have now. Like, I want, so I actually just uh, sold like three cents. Um, but I kept my Casio keyboard because I can go and I can take that. Like my, I had this, I had this one synth that was like fucking, I had it for five, six years and I still fucking can't like get everything out of it. I can't go and fully squeeze all the juice out of that fucking orange yeah, right. But this Casio keyboard, I can fucking I can take every little bit of that and like like back with with you know with Jeremy with all his circuit bending and then what what everything else kind of went to and like being able to yeah get every last drop out of something as opposed to just sort of getting a little bit and yeah. I, I mean us there's there's so much more that just can get overlooked out of simplicity. There's nothing wrong with simplicity. No, not at all. Because everything's super complex, and if it's complex, like it takes more time. And the more time it takes, like you know, as you know, our lives aren't infinite. So it's kind of like, where do you want to invest? Like invest your time. Like that's one of my concerns about all the technology stuff is just that each one of them has like a billion tutorials available online, and it's like I just don't want to see myself like lost in some sort of like weird techno fantasy of just learning all this technology and then dying right in the middle of it without ever like doing anything with it just being like wow i got all the tools these are amazing and then just getting old right but then i mean like okay let's say let's say we're old i mean yeah sure we are yeah um but i mean whoops I don't know, 30, 30 years ago, like this isn't anything at all what, you know, we thought we'd be, at least what I thought I'd be doing, like being able to do this kind of anything and like going with this kind of thought process and experience of anything. Like it just fucking goes. Yeah. And it's okay like that we're older and i mean if we're already old like why not fucking just do it all now and fucking just if you're doing it you're doing it and then you know uh you don't have to write a manual per se but you can fucking doing the work and having something is the manual the manual doesn't have to be a fucking a manual yeah for sure so I mean, it's 
is just getting to fucking do it. And like, it's crazy that this is stuff that we're actually experiencing an experience. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. It's good that this is what, what our conversations are about. Not about like, you know, you didn't bring me on to talk about, you know, some civil war happening in some part of America or something like that. Like we're lucky that we're talking about these things. Right. And this could also, yeah, open up doors to other people who maybe what, you know, they don't have to, they get a little something and they can go off and find something. Maybe they're going to get something that they're going to hear and they're going to take that idea, run with it a different way. And then you and I learn something from them. Yeah. You know, get to have that have that basis of whatever learning it is to add. Cause it's, it's cool. Like when you get to go and work with other people and, you know, bounce ideas and then if people hear them and get to take those ideas and like, just kind of watch where everything's going. Yeah. Just try to be a catalyst and try to have more people realize that they can do more things without yeah. getting nervous about it. Yeah. Uh, so are you doing the uh your art still uh or the installations you were doing no I'm, I'm taking a little bit of a break from that like i'll probably try to reincorporate some art stuff into what i'm doing but i haven't been painting for the last i've just been doing work for the car business and then a little bit with this uh whole brainwave thing but uh yeah just and then running the philosophy club and kind of doing life like taking my kids to soccer practice and stuff so it's all kind of you know uh to to go back i tell people this story still so one time when you and i uh we went to a soccer practice and uh <laughs> we were let's see we were someone i don't know if i can name names or not but someone that had a little brother too um and we were all in the car together and one of the little brother's friends asked the mom or like called someone a douchebag. And so then the mom had told the kids what a douchebag was. And then I think that's when I got to learn what a douchebag was because like, don't call, don't call someone a douchebag because this is what a douchebag is. And yeah, I, remember, yeah, I think I, that was... I stopped calling people douchebags too on that after that same explanation for a little while, and then I was like, "Yeah, that's exactly little... what you are, you motherfucker." Yeah, right. And I was just like, "Yeah." So I mean, so uh, maybe maybe you're you can t- teach some some kid that uh, at some point, like you you want to know what a, d- a douchebag is. Uh, I'm kind of so... surprised that my neighbor still let me drive the kids to and from practice because. I'm always afraid that I'm going to say something in the car that's going to be like kind of one of those moments where like they go home and they're like, hey, guess what, what Ian said in the car? And then, you know, suddenly nobody wants to talk to me anymore when I'm outside and, you know, they drive their kids separately. Like it hasn't happened yet, but. So, well, and what's it like at the soccer games and stuff? Like what, uh, when you're there, like, is that, I don't know, because I, I don't have any kids. Like, is it yeah. pretty, pretty wild, like being uh, on, like, Wow, watching now and I mean I, I wasn't big into it as a competitive player back when I was a kid and definitely not now so it's like you know I feel like kind of an imposter like I look around I'm like oh the other dads yell when this happens so that's when I should you know make some sounds <laughs> or like uh 
you know, I, my kids do flag football too. And, you know, they, uh, like, I think, I don't know why the coach asked if I would be willing to be an assistant coach and just help with like subbing kids in and out, making sure they know their positions. I was like, ah, I don't know. I, I'm not too, you know, I'm not sure. And they're like, Oh, come on. So they got me a shirt and you know, oh. I got my clipboard and like, I, I stand there and I, I do that. But at the same time, like, I don't want anybody to ask me any like actual questions about like strategy or position or anything like that. I'm just like, uh, you know, just here to look pretty. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. So, it's, uh, so yeah. assistant coaching. Uh, I, I, I wear the shirt. Yeah. You wear the shirt. I wear the shirt. And... But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's I'm I'm just happy that they're doing something with other kids. Like we didn't think either one would play any team sports, so it's good that they're having yeah. the experience. Uh, yeah, I yeah. mean, they're moving. Yeah, getting out there and uh, yeah, doing everything and yeah. Um, so then when you're going down, did you find a new place for your philosophy club? Did that get, weren't you looking for a new place? I think we last time we were talking. Like, we could do it at my work. Uh, we got enough space in the garage to be able to do it oh. on Discord still. Cause we just, we have too many people from uh, other parts of the country that, you know, probably all want to be there. And we switched over from reading that French philosopher, Henry Bersolon over to reading the works of uh, Frederick Nietzsche. And oh, okay. That always gets a bigger crowd. Like we got, I think we had like 20 people show up the first time and it's been pretty good since then. Like uh, eventually we'll read his work and then we're going to go back and read this book, which is uh, Jill Deruz's, uh Nietzschean philosophy. The The club I made was called the Portland Asso- Association of Deruz Studies. And so this is the first book we read. And I think I said even then too, uh, in our last conversation that we were going to read through these books and then come back and read this again. And I don't know why I still feel like this is the one that like, you know, if if there's anything that's forbidden knowledge, like thing that humanity really shouldn't be exposed to in terms of information, like I felt like this book basically contains it. And I felt like it kind of made me go insane when I read it. And then I felt like it has the potential. Like I was like, this really, you know, these are ideas that shouldn't be shared with the average person uh, or maybe with people like me, but whatever it's. um, But again, like, because it's, I don't know, it's just really out there. I'll, I'll, if I was to do any future projects, it would basically be like trying to work some of these concepts into different activities and different things that people get exposed to. But I'll, I'll work on a, I wouldn't say a summary, but uh, something that like, you know, takes kind of the impact of it and shares it quickly. I mean, cause yeah, now, now I'm thinking about your machine again and uh, okay. All right. So, I mean, with with the machine, then like, I mean, how? Because I think those those little subliminal things, but I mean, then you wouldn't be thinking that in your head, but, uh, but maybe I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe some maybe someone thinks in books, uh, and, and book pages. I'll come up with a way to uh take some of those ideas and uh, figure out, you know, some of application for them. But like I said, like, you know, it's, it's pretty out there stuff. Like I'll, I got to figure out the right format for it, but I'd say that that's uh, probably the most interesting thing I found in all the books I've read was the content of that particular book. And so, I mean, with the books, if they're stuff like that, that's the stuff that people need to, if they're at that spot need to see. 
like if they're they're in the spot where they're they can go there they should go there if they're saying hey don't don't here you go go look at it man and um i don't know i gotta fucking pull my library card out i think and go uh maybe i'm gonna do that today i got go out to the library it's still at the it's at the mall right now which is really really weird the library is in weird spots yeah yeah the, the library is under construction so it's been at the mall with uh so it's like a shop at the mall of the library. Yeah, it's like you get to go over to, I think I was at a Mall 205. Uh, yep. They moved the DMV into the mall, right? That's the best DMV to go to. It is, yeah. So I was sitting there and I, I noticed this like sketchy poster uh, up on the wall outside the DMV. And it was like a big iPad with a big X through it. And then next to it, they had another uh, like a iPad, iPhone with a giant X through it. And it had an American flag in the background. And it had this like kind of sketchy anti-technology, you know, save the youth message. It's like a big yeah. printed uh, like banner that they had uh, strung up on the wall there in Mall 205. And so I'm looking at it and I'm like, what the, what, what's going on with this sign? Like who made this? Like what company paid for this thing? So I go out there and there's this guy uh, and he's got a magic kiosk, like of magic tricks. Oh, and okay. yeah. Yep. I started looking around and he's like, man, I've had this magic kiosk here for 30 years. Like his kid's there. It's like a Tuesday. And like, I'm pretty sure the kid should have been in school or whatever, but he wasn't. And they were yeah. getting ready to open. It was like nine 30 and he was getting set and setting the books out. And I found a, let me see if I got it right here. Uh, uh, I don't know where it went. I'll find it later. Magic. Uh, yeah, it was a uh it was a book on miming. <laughs> on mining? Miming. Miming. Yeah, pantomime. And so uh, you know, I was looking around and uh in the back of some of the philosophy books I'd read, uh there were these weird kind of cryptic statements about how miming was uh, you know, one of the the key things to break through breaking through reality. And so I was like, huh, miming. So I I, I picked up the book and I put took it up to the counter and he's like, Hey man this is a really good book. This is a really, really good book. And I was like, yeah, that, that's why I'm buying it. And so I bought it. Um, and, you know, I showed it to some people and they were like, I, I had no idea that this is where my me leads to. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I fully grasp it yet either. But uh, so anyways, I'm working on the, uh, that's on the back burner too. Where does my me lead to? Uh, or is that, that something I cannot know? I think it has I... something to do with like the Truman Show thing and all that of like, you know, Oh. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But yeah, my means an interesting one. I mean, that's uh, it's it's a certain type of person, and it's but then it's it's overlooked a lot. Yeah, which no, is the uh, fucking perfect person. Well, maybe if you're the master of miming, it's always overlooked because you're miming all the time, and people are just like they can't even detect. I like it. I think yeah. that's where we, we, we got to fucking end it right there. Yeah. We got to end it there. That's, I think, where we're going. Um, so, yeah, well, I'll, I'll have you back on it at some uh, yeah. point again, yeah. man. Yeah, dude. Talk, man. Thank you. Yeah, I could, I could talk fucking forever with you, man. And yeah, I, I appreciate that. And so, um, I don't know, man. You, you, 
I can, I can, I guess I can, we'll, we'll, we'll strap you in the machine and, uh, dude. Yeah. I the, have give you the breakthrough. Yeah. I think that might be, uh, something that needs to happen because I was very much into that idea and like, yeah, I want to fucking try this out. And I think I have a ticket of sorts to get out that way at some point. So cool. Um, yeah. We'll be here. Okay, cool. Uh, so, Dr. Ian, you're, when Dr. Ian goes live, the website, uh, until then, find you where, wherever, yeah, on the on this podcast or, you know, whatever, I don't know, anywhere, Dr. Ian, you'll, you'll I don't know. Yeah, when we're, when we're in that stage, we'll, we'll do another episode. And yeah. It's at that point. Cool. All right, man. Well, you, uh, you take her easy, man. Good talk with you, buddy. Yeah, too, you too, man. Thanks for everything. Right. Hell yeah. yeah. All right. See ya. All right, that's that's fucking Ian, Doctor Ian, Doctor Ian. He didn't spend six years in Ian Medical School to be called Mister. Thank you very much, man. Yep, I've known that guy since 1989, when I was negative 12. Anyway. Thank you, everyone, so much for being here and listening. If you got here, dude, you're going to – you're tripped out. Like, that. that's a lot. A lot to take in. Fucking decompress. This was fun. This is cool. There's going to be more shit coming with this. So just be ready. And I guess I'm going to go there. I'm going to strap in. I'm going to try that out. So that is the show. Man. Boom. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Ernest! 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 <coughs> yes, Pee Wee. You brought the snacks, right? <laughs>